Well, so yesterday I had a really good time sitting down with J2. I don't know if you all know J2. He's uh, sitting right there behind Pat, Pat Walker and Ann. Uh, and so we had a great conversation yesterday in preparation for Bible study, which uh, coincidentally is lining up with uh, Acts. And today we have a passage from Acts. And so we took a lot of time discussing this whole piece about speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and what that looks like and, and what does it really mean. And given our faith traditions, uh, how do we make sense of it? And, and for those of us who are kind of head-to-heart kind of people, uh, how does our head, we wrap our heads around what this means spiritually, what it means for our heart. And so, um, uh, Jay, I, I went home and I did some homework, and I need to make some corrections to what I said to you yesterday, so I'm, I'm here to make uh, some of those um, corrections here in this sermon. So, how many of you have heard of speaking in tongues before? All right, good. So we're all we're, we're all there. How many of you have heard of the Pentecostal church before? How many of you have heard of the Church of God in Christ? It's called Kojic. Good. We're, we're still, the majority of us are here. The, the blanks we filled in. Now, how many of you have heard of the Assemblies of God? Okay. All right. Good. How many of you have ever heard of Pentecost Sunday? Okay, great. We're on similar, similar page. You know, in the Baptist church and probably even in the Pentecostal church, they don't celebrate Pentecost Sunday. It's just not one of their high, high holy days. Let me give you a little bit of history. I want to talk about the Pentecostal church and then I want to talk about the roots of uh, the, the Pentecost movement and where it was and how it can help us to understand where we should be going today. Now, this is more of a, of a, of a, a ding ding school is in session kind of sermon. So get your toothpicks out, prop up your eyelids, and hold on. <laughs> the Pentecostal movement, this is by Demetrius Williams. Get this, this just blew my wig off that you can't see. The Pentecostal movement began with the preaching of W.J. Seymour a self-educated African-American traveling holiness preacher originally from Louisiana at the Azusa Street Revival of 1906 to 1909 in Los Angeles. And it would have a far-reaching implications for American spirituality. While initiated by an African-American preacher, the movement was an atypical interracial movement from which whites later withdrew. 1906 to 1909, an interracial spiritual movement from which later whites withdrew. At Azusa, blacks, whites, Mexicans, and Asians alike sang and worshiped together. The interracial character, one writer says, on Azusa, on Azusa Street was indeed a kind of miracle. And I'm sure it's probably sounding like a miracle to you. After 1906 and 09, interracial worship? The Spirit came. It was, after all, a time of growing, not diminishing racial separation everywhere else. While observations by many whites about the interracial nature of the movement in the early days of the movement were negative, one white preacher wrote in his diary, 
The color lines was washed away by the blood. Such positive observations were rare, but whites would soon give way to a separatist ideology of the day, causing Seymour to rethink his understanding. So, Azusa Street Revival, spirit comes, people are there speaking in tongues because that's part of the movement, and they're all different kinds of races. They are experiencing the spirit. Racial divides are falling away, and yet, somehow, we got in our own way. We started looking around and saying, oh, I'm speaking in tongues next to a white person. I, this is not right. 1906 to 1909. Why did I ask you about the denominations? Because here's what happened. Eventually, someone said, you know what? Since we can't exist in the Baptist church and all these other churches, let's start a Pentecostal movement for African Americans in 1907. That was the birth of the Church of God in Christ, the Kojic Church. Then that Kojic Church said, it's not right that all this separation exists and we are willing to ordain any white pastor or preacher that wants to be in the Church of God in Christ. So then the Kojic Church, the Church of God in Christ, becomes the first denomination to black denomination to ordain a white person because there were white people who did not want to be a part of the Pentecostal movement but they did want to be a part of the Church of God and Christ movement so they got their ordination through the Church of God and Christ. Then when they were fed up with being in the Church of God and Christ, guess what they started? The Assemblies of God. So for some reason the Spirit comes and it initiates all of this connection and it removes all of these divisions, but somehow, some way, we get back in our way again. We forget what the Spirit has done and how the Spirit has broken down these barriers. We'll go back even further to Pentecost for the Jews, 50 days after the Passover, 50 days after the giving of the law, 50 days after they received their identity and who they are. And so here it is that the writer of Acts, who we believe is Luke, says, I want to take this Jewish feast of holidays, feast of weeks, and I want to turn it into something that then incorporates other people who are not Jewish into the movement to follow Christ. So Pentecost is not a Christian day originally. Pentecost is originally a Jewish day that was created to celebrate God's goodness and identity. The second coming of Pentecost was by Luke to say that all people will experience the Spirit of God. It was an experience to say that everybody from every nation, every race, every creed can be included in this particular movement of God. It is out of that same rootedness and that same belief in Pentecost that is what happened at Azusa Street. 
When all of these people experience the Holy Spirit and begin to communicate with each other. And I would imagine some of the Mexicans and some of the Asians, maybe some of them didn't speak English, but they were able to be there and to worship together under one God in celebration of Jesus Christ. I also want to dispel a few other Issues with this text because a lot of churches, and I grew up in a um, in an evangelical uh, church, and uh, the largest church in the country still is the largest church in the country. It was then, is now, and and we we had a, a, a process, and I told Jay about this where we, you know, at the end of service, uh, I'm sure some of y'all have been in a church. You know, there's a there's a coming to Jesus call. There's a who wants to get saved. And who wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? That's the second one. Or who wants to become a member? There was a three-part three invitation. And I used to be a prayer partner, and I would, I would, as a teenager, I would take people back into the, to the room, and I'd say, well, do you want to get saved? Do you want baptism of the Holy Spirit? Or do you want to become a member of the church? And, and I used to always be nervous about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, because I was like, Lord, I'm going to have to pray a long time. I'd size people up. I was like, ooh, this looks like a hellion right here. I'm going to have to pray a long time. I'm going to have to pray a long time to get them to speak in any tongues uh, back here um, in this room. But in our training, one of the things they always talked about was to remember Acts. When the Spirit came and everybody was speaking in tongues and speaking in a different language. Well, Acts really is not about that. The term glossolalia is not in this text. Glossolalia is the term, the Greek term that is used for speaking in tongues. It is found in Corinthians. So let me just, a little bit more depth. This is a different type of speaking in tongues that is being mentioned right here. This type of speaking in tongues is really about speaking in another language. And the Greek term that is used here is about, one, speaking in a way where they may not understand it, but the person they are speaking to does understand it. The other speaking in tongues is for the edification of the church. This speaking of tongues is for breaking down barriers and creating connections and creating community. The reason I wanted to go back to the roots of Azusa Street, the Pentecostal movement, the Kojic movement, the reason I wanted to talk about the Jewish movement when it then incorporated other people from other nations and Gentiles into it is because this, the movement of the Spirit, when the Spirit comes, it breaks down these barriers and these divisions. It makes it possible for us to communicate with each other to talk to each other and not at each other. There's a great article on Aeon. I hope I'm saying that right, Jay. Am I saying it right? I did it. Okay, good. On Aeon. And I read this a few weeks ago. I wanted to post it on Facebook, but some of y'all get crazy on Facebook and y'all just get going. And I was like, you know what? Let me just... <laughs> if I post this, somebody... <laughs> Because I'm friends with the Republicans and the Democrats. I was like, somebody is going to go in on me. I'm just, let, me just, let me just leave it alone. So I'm not going to post it. But I have sat on this article for a while. And it says, maybe nobody cares about the truth anymore. And some have started to worry. Maybe political allegiance has replaced basic reasoning skills. Maybe political allegiance has replaced basic 
reasoning skills. Echo chambers of our own making, wrapping ourselves in an intellectual impenetrable layer of like-minded friends and web pages and social media feeds. This writer says, let's call them echo chambers and an epi I messed with this yesterday, I couldn't get it, epistemic bubbles. Both are social structures that systematically exclude sources of information. An epistemic bubble is an information network from which relevant voices have been excluded by omission. An epistemic bubble is an informational network from which relevant voices have been excluded by omission. This is not about being solely a political sermon, but let me just say the Republicans are not the only ones that are including relevant voices. There are some other folks that are including relevant voices as well, too. And an epistemic bubble, that omission might be purposeful, it might be selectively avoiding contact with contrary views because, say, they will make us uncomfortable. An echo chamber, however, is a social structure from which other relevant voices have been actively discredited. So can you see the problem that we've arrived at? We're in a situation where we are not speaking the same language because we're either trapped in a bubble or we're trapped in a chamber. And this is the prime opportunity for people like us who are not supposed to be bound to either a bubble or a chamber, we are to be bound to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that guides and helps us discern. It is so interesting to me. I see two people I love on Facebook and they are saying pretty much a similar thing, but they just don't make sense to each other. They are either in a bowl or in a chamber. And so right now, us trying to figure out how to understand another foreign language is not the biggest challenge we have. Right now, the challenge we have is for the Spirit to fall on us this Pentecost and help us to get out of our chambers and get out of our bubbles so that we can get on with the business of loving and creating the kingdom of God on earth. It is absolutely intelligible to some people to see what other people on this side or that side or black or white or what is being said. This is an opportunity for if we truly believe in the Holy Spirit, if we truly believe in a move of God, then it has to start with us. I told Jay yesterday, I said, this is just like the Holy Spirit is like electricity. I know when I go back there to that, that back wall, if anybody hasn't messed with the breaker, that I can flip one of those two switches and the lights on these two center aisles are going to come on. The Holy Spirit is the same way. The Holy Spirit was there at Azusa. The Holy Spirit was there at the beginning of the Pentecost movement. The Holy Spirit was there at the founding of most of our churches. And the Holy Spirit is still here right now. The problem is, is we have not flipped the switch. We must turn on the Holy Spirit. It didn't go anywhere. Why are we waiting on it to fall on Pentecost? If we would just 
flip the switch right now and every day when we find ourselves disheartened, when we find ourselves down, when we find ourselves struggling to communicate across some divide. Flip the switch and let the Holy Spirit move and guide you. The challenge is, and I know we don't do it too much in this church, but the problem is us. Stop waiting on them to get their you-know-what together. Let the Holy Spirit move and guide you. If you don't know what to say, and if you know what you're going to say, it's going to be ugly, keep it to yourself until the Holy Spirit can translate some grace into what you have to say. Keep it to yourself until the Holy Spirit can move upon you and help you to cross that divide so that you can heal things. That is what we have to do with turning on the Spirit. When you see that post that pisses you off and runs you hot, when somebody says something up at their job that makes you upset, when you're up at the job and they either got on Fox News or MSNBC every day and you're ready to rip your hair out, let the Holy Spirit guide and move you. Because the race and joy and peace will not be found in a tweet or on the national news media. It will only be found in God through a move of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us. Holy Spirit, guide our tongues. Holy Spirit, guide our connections. Holy Spirit, build community through us. Break down the barriers in us that keep us from others. The title of this sermon is Remember Your Roots. Your roots are rooted in a move of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that it says in Genesis that breathed over the water. The spirit that was there in Ezekiel 37 when God said to Ezekiel, breathe life into these bones. The spirit that was there on Pentecost Sunday at the Feast of Weeks in their celebration that broke down barriers and walls. The spirit that was there at Azusa Street. The spirit that has existed when most of our denominations sprung up. That spirit is your roots. That, as Christians, is where we are rooted. The Spirit has not left us. We have just turned off the switch. It's time to flip it on. Amen. Amen. Please pray with me. Gracious and loving God. Help us access and, access and activate your spirit within us. Help it to guide our emotions and guide our actions and guide our thoughts. That is our roots. That is our heritage. That is the gift that as Christ ascended, said, I will lead you an advocate that will offer correction and change and that will comfort you. Help us to step just beyond the comfort of the Holy Spirit and to step into the correction of the Holy Spirit. Grow us up and grow us out. Grow 
us in love and kindness and justice and peace. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.